Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Chow Codes podcast. This is episode number 11. And today I'm bringing on somebody that I've been following for a little bit now. Um, I've actually been following him on Twitter. And I actually took one of his courses for React and serverless functions. And honestly, it's been one of the most helpful things when I was learning React. And he's just kind of a cool dude that I've been following for a little bit. He's a developer at Auth zero or is it auth o how do you pronounce say that yeah it's auth zero lots of people um say auth o but it is auth zero okay so it is auth yeah. zero um he's a javascript developer speaker teacher and he also runs his own youtube channel as well um but james quick welcome yeah. to the podcast thank you i appreciate it i'm really excited to be here i've been like after i came across your stuff i've definitely been following the stuff that you've been doing as well i've been listening to a few uh, episodes of the podcast in preparation and really enjoyed everything you got going on. Thank you. Thank you. Like, uh, I mean, I've been following you for a couple months now and I even read some of your like own story, but I wanted to kind of get you onto the podcast because I wanted to talk to you a lot more about that and kind of pick your brain a little bit on it because um, it's super interesting and honestly learning about any developer and their story because it's so unique, right? Everyone has their own story um, yep. and the way they came up. So um, let's dig into that. So let's bring it back a little bit and like talk about uh, like what your initial background was and how you found coding essentially. Sure. Yeah, I've got a, a mix of kind of different people's backgrounds, I think. But for me, like I was, I never took computer science. I never written any code or never knew what HTML or CSS or JavaScript or any of that was before college. And so going into college, I got accepted um, and they asked like basically for me to declare a major and I was in the engineering school, but I had no idea what specifically I wanted to major in. So I like didn't want to do like I don't really enjoy physics or chemistry. So like that ruled out a bunch of them. And then computer science was just sitting there and I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> so I like I walked in like I wasn't one of those people who like had been editing MySpace pages for years and like had done their own projects and stuff. Like I walked in completely um, oblivious to what programming was and like just went through like regular classes that, um, you know, traditional stuff that people do in a computer science major and really enjoyed it. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into this more, but the, there's a, a whole different like learning perspective outside of the classroom. Cause for me, like I treated class as class right like it was school work and i was trying mm -hmm. to get good grades but i didn't i didn't really love what i was doing i didn't have the appreciation at the time mm. and i didn't um i don't know i didn't learn the things that i really should have like i got good grades but like coming out of college i was honestly like much more underprepared than i should have been yeah and i feel like that's not not necessarily a reoccurring pattern but i also feel like that's like big when it comes to cs students mm -hmm. is that they kind of just not mindlessly go through it, but it is like <laughs> part of a curriculum that you have to do in order to get by because you're paying for it, right? And yeah, and you're, it's um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. You're you're just a student, right? Like or at least exactly. I was. Like it wasn't like I didn't choose computer science because I knew about it and I loved it and I wanted to just learn more. I just kind of chose it, and it obviously worked out really well. Mm -hmm. But like I, I talk to people who go through boot camps and there's this, this really big conversation that I have with people that in general, it's harder to get a job coming out of a boot camp because lots of companies still aren't open to someone that doesn't have a traditional degree. But for people who go through a boot camp, like they are much more dedicated and passionate about it because they're like literally 
trying to trans like transform their lives and careers like in in a short period of time so they're super motivated they uh work really hard and they get a lot more like practical knowledge than i did like coming out of college i had never worked with git i never done source control i didn't know what github was i didn't know how to build a website like all these things i had kind of learned and very little of it was like super practical fresh out of college yeah and i always touch on that whenever school comes up because i mean as many people like know about me if they follow me is that you know i didn't finish school at all um i just didn't feel like it was right for me and i i never really even thought about a computer science degree at the time when i was in school my declared major quote unquote was um diet uh being a nutritionist so dietitian like Hmm. uh, nutritional sciences um because that was my initial um passion was i wanted to be a a registered dietitian and obviously that didn't go anywhere. <laughs> um, I dropped out like maybe a year and a half in because I was like, yeah, maybe not. Okay. And um, I and I c- couldn't agree more is that people who go through boot camps or even self-taught devs, they do it because it's actually something that they're they love to do, want to do, and are passionate about. Whereas it's almost a 50-50 when it comes to a CS student, whether they chose it because that was the only thing that seemed interesting because <laughs> it said computer. Yep. Or they genuinely like wanted to be a CS major um, and graduate with that and get into the industry. So it's it's a toss up for sure. But um, I yeah, I couldn't agree more with the whole bootcamp thing. And I wish that companies would kind of like uh, look at them more credibly than like uh, a computer science degree. Yeah, it's just it's just part of that, like traditional, especially if you're like an older school older cultural company like mm-hmm. they're just looking for people that come out with degrees right and they've got like all these automated filters on resumes and if you don't meet keywords and if you don't have a degree on there like a lot of them just get overlooked completely but the cool thing is like in this industry specifically this is one of the industries i would say that you need a degree the least right like companies are starting to to be more open to quote unquote like non-traditional backgrounds and i think it's because people have proven themselves and boot camps are just continuing to grow and we're realizing that like people that are passionate about it and are are eager to learn like they'll learn enough in three months or six months to then come into a job and then you do what everyone else does even if you come out of college you're just still learning on the job every day oh for sure and i think that social media has helped with that because i mean you see on the Instagram community, on the Twitter community, I mean, there's people popping up left and right that are self-taught or going through mm-hmm. boot camps that can produce these crazy like things way better than someone who comes out with a CS degree. And it's also like for me, the argument is heavily on specifically front end because it's you don't learn front end when you go to college. I, um, I definitely didn't. <laughs> exactly. So it's like I don't I can't see the reason why I would need a bachelor's in CS if I'm applying to be like a UI developer or some sort of JavaScript uh, developer, right? It's, Mm -hmm. you don't, I didn't learn that in college. So what, how am I supposed to attain that and learn it? Like if, unless I did it off on the side. Um, And it also doesn't help when you look up job listings and they have these junior positions and they require six plus years of experience. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, well. There's so many instances of like, very poorly written job descriptions. I actually had a friend reach out saying that their company was hiring here in Memphis. And I was like, well, send me the job description and I'll send it around. And 
like I responded back. I was like, I'm sorry, this this description is is so off. Like it was all over the place. The the title was like web developer and it was like .NET backend and really <laughs> strong SQL and then like should be able to design and build sites by themselves basically. And I'm like, you're talking about like very distinct categories of programming. Like you want somebody with deep .NET experience, that's a .NET developer. If you want somebody right. with database experience, that's database. If you want a design person, like that's a designer. And mm-hmm. I, it's just, it's hard. Like with recruiters and and different people who write these descriptions, if they're not intimately engaged in the communities and, and know the lingo and stuff, it's hard to write those. But yeah, you see you see some pretty funny ones and there's lots of memes and stuff on Twitter that people share <laughs> that they get really interesting. Oh, I, I, I delve right like <laughs> into so many of the Vs because I'm in that position right now where I'm like applying uh, passively, not actively anymore, just because of the times we're in right now. And it's kind of mm-hmm. hard as a junior and as someone who doesn't really have all that much experience right now. Right. Um, but I can see how demoralizing it can get. Like, even if you just apply, you're just never really seen and you almost right. automatically get hit with a, um, a denial email <laughs> if, because you don't hit that. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, if you even get like the email, like that's, that's true. One of the most terrible things is like how true. many, how many companies just never respond. And, and yeah. it's, a, it's a burden, right? Like if you get a lot of, emails and interests like to respond to each person but it really sucks to send in an application somewhere and just never hear anything but that's like one of my biggest pieces of advice is just and and obviously you're doing that with like your connections on the podcast and stuff but networking is so key like every job Mm -hmm. that you apply for if you're applying for it completely blind it's infinitely more difficult to catch somebody's eyes than if you have somebody that can actually like internally recommend you like that makes such makes such a big difference 100%. And that's what, you know, when I was growing my Instagram, um, I obviously got into connections with a lot of people who were already in the industry and working as, you know, senior uh, developers or even just, you know, regular software engineers. Like I was just talking to them, networking. And that was kind of the biggest thing that I learned was that a social media presence was actually super, Mm -hmm. super helpful. Yeah. Um, Even especially on Twitter. I mean, they're all over the place. There's a huge community on Twitter that I had no idea until I started mine. Um, (laughs) I started finding everybody, you know, and I just started slowly, slowly, slowly growing that presence there. And now I can not can, but I mean, I have connections to a bunch of these devs and it's for the audience out there that are listening. It's so easy for you to have a presence on social media. I mean, it's pretty much free for you to literally tweet out something or post mm-hmm. something on Instagram and get people's attention to follow you or do whatever. And then that way you can build up your audience, your connections and network from there. So it's, it's super easy. It's not hard. Yeah. And there's so, there's so many subtle benefits to that. Like there's the networking piece of like, or just like kind of the audience piece of like more people are aware of what you do. That's great. There's the, networking in terms of like just learning from people too that's like super underrated like if you're a developer and you want to learn more about development like pay attention to whether what other people are doing the things the resources that they share the hot tips and stuff like the west boss style hot tips that they throw in twitter mm-hmm. like there's just i get so much of my inspiration just from hearing other people um and, or talk about or share things in twitter or in like discord i've, I've gotten more into doing a discord server um, and trying to like be more engaged there and just having those conversations or being like a fly on the wall for conversations is really one of the biggest reasons or biggest ways that like I continue to learn and kind of guide, like if Twitter thinks something is 
really cool. Like if lots of people are talking about it, I'm probably then going to go look at it because that many people are saying it's worth looking at. For sure. And there was that whole wave initially on Twitter with uh, Deno coming out, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, everyone just started hopping on that like node killer. Like it's, yeah. it's the thing. And like I literally as soon as that wave started popping and like I saw the hashtags start trending and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a bunch of tutorials start coming out like yeah. people were hopping on it so fast. So that's that's like so like prevalent on Twitter and like really anything is that initial wave of new things. But yeah, I can't agree more like on Twitter. I can't even tell you the amount of times that I've seen code snippets that have helped yeah. me in in whatever different way or these small different shortcuts shortcuts or tips with github or something like that where i didn't know how to do this but now this person's like literally showing me through a photo I'm, mm -hmm. oh that makes so much sense and it's small things but they just compound over time um so it's just being engaged and like not l lurking so hard on social media but actually being engaged in the being community and it's interesting it. yeah. exactly being a legitimate part of it not you know watching from the sidelines it's actually being part of the community because we're so engaging and we have to be and i look at it in a way where we're artists in a way right <laughs> artists pull inspiration from other artists and without it creativity wouldn't be as creative as it is when it comes to artists right so we i consistently and always pull inspiration from other developers because we all code differently we all see problems in a different way so it's interesting to see other people's point of views and kind of pull in the nice or the things that i like from specific people yep. and kind of make it my own way. Um, so that's how I see it initially. Yeah, Twitter is like definitely my default way of getting developer interactions. And for me, I don't actually ever post anything on Stack Overflow. I probably should more. Like I'll ask on Twitter and I'll get a couple of responses within a couple of minutes. And I'm so connected to like the technology communities that I'm working with that like I usually get a response quickly and it's like better than anything I would get on Stack Overflow. So it's like it's my go to go to resource for like any development related stuff. That's interesting you say that too, because like as a as a self-taught dev myself and, you know, knowing other self-taught devs, we always ask like, what's the best resource? And I never mm. really listed Twitter as one of them. You know, it was always Stack Overflow or yeah. like articles on Medium. but Twitter is literally one of the best when it comes to that yeah. because it the, and it's it's a downside of Twitter but like the Twitter can get a little rash sometimes um but I think there's good things that come out of that because there's a topic that comes up and you know some people feel very heavily on it and then they weigh in on it and that's where people really really express themselves so you can yeah. kind of get all different sides to a certain problem and walk away with something that helped you um even if it kind of turned into like this big old argument for zero reason possible <laughs> yeah you'll see lots of just like random developer arguments i think you like pretty quickly learn what to just filter out and ignore and just kind of take the good that's there because they're certainly like you get into debates and like things that are just really not that important but it is a great way to just share relevant content and then i i particularly like like we don't have to get into all the political stuff but just how supportive i think the developer community has been for the most part um at least in my interactions over the last couple of months with everything going on um it's just really cool to see like people for the most part get like bonded over an experience that we can all kind of share and talk about and discuss and uh and grow from 
Oh, hundred percent. And I've been following that, you know, uh, passively on Twitter, but more so on Instagram, I've been pushing it just because that's my platform mm -hmm. that I found I, I have more growth on, um, and more audience, but, uh, I couldn't agree. Like, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's fun and amazing to see everyone just kind of band together off of one topic and, you know, come to terms with, you know, what's going on and trying to find ways that we can contribute to help to that. And, yeah. you know, especially when we have to like, uh, not expose, but like call out some of the people that, <laughs> you know, are off on the wrong side of yeah. things. Um, and all of us kind of coming together to do that as well. So that's, that's pretty cool to watch on Twitter for sure. It is. Yeah. It's interesting how, I don't know how like Twitter goes in waves, right. With different topics and things that come up and people, people like get so passionate, like you said earlier, um, mm -hmm. and some of the conversations make a lot more sense than others, but it is, yeah, for the most part, like overall, it's super, super positive experience for me. It is one of the best learning and sharing resources I have. And it's where I've met, like, I've actually done a lot of live streams recently over the past couple of months where I've met people. I mean, we're talking today for the first time. We're not on uh, camera, but like I, I've had live streams with 10 or 15 different people that I've met or talked to for the very first time uh, that I met in Twitter originally. And they just joined me on a live stream. And now we get to like like we get to learn from each other and interact with each other real time and and do something that we get to share with other people. So that's really cool, too. of uh, just being able to like make those relationships or make those connections with people and then have them lead to like other forms of collaboration on content. hundred percent. And it's like you said, with the podcast for me that, and that's exactly it is my initial introduction to you was your courses and I fully supported them. And I was like, Oh yes. Like I, I get to learn something <laughs> followed you. And then you found me. And then now here we are, right. We're talking yep. for the very first time and we're building that connection now. So it's definitely awesome to see, you know, these relationships and these connections flourish into something bigger and to be able to share, like, cause we all have a common interest in our, in, in our community, which is development, whether you're on the front end, back end or DevOps, whatever, right. It's, we all share the same passion. So it's, it's fun to build all of that with multiple people and then having to share that publicly in a platform like live streaming or podcasts or yeah. things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. I've always. I've considered myself, I used to kind of use this tagline, but I don't anymore, but consider myself to be a social developer where mm. I just like, it's just better when you have people to learn from and bounce ideas, um, bounce ideas around with, right? Like just having those extra resources. And that's actually like one of the biggest pieces of advice. So I taught a boot camp. I don't know if, if you knew that. Oh, there was, did not know um, that. Yeah, that's so I was kind of alluded to having different degrees of like background in uh, programming. And one mm -hmm. of them is I'd never done any web development until being self-taught. And that started with just like Udemy courses and YouTube videos. So that was almost four years ago. Exactly. Like I'd never done any web stuff until then. Wow. And so I've got like kind of that is just like self-learning. And then I also taught a boot camp here in Memphis. So I've got experience like from a different perspective, but like still experience being involved in a boot camp. And one of the the biggest pieces of advice, and I think people in the class would tell you one of their biggest learnings was you just need people to do this with, right? Like you need people to learn from, you need people that you're comfortable asking questions with. And we eventually got to like started doing like, I think once a month or maybe twice a month, we would just go to go to hang out at a Starbucks and people would just come hang out, talk, ask questions, um, and just kind of see people as like, we're all just regular people, right? And we're trying to accomplish something together. And building that network of, of really like support and like learning was super impactful for all of my students. I think that's 
one awesome that you guys had like group meetings at Starbucks because that's just like, I feel like when you think about programmers or anyone who codes, like it's always at a coffee shop coding. Yeah. Um, so our natural, that's all, natural habitat. <laughs> exactly. That's where you find us. If we had a, if we had a coder zoo, it would just be a Starbucks. <laughs> um, but, uh, but building that environment for people who are learning is so important because for me, being self-taught, I was always by myself. You know, it was yep. in my room with whatever video, like same as you, Udemy or YouTube, with the professor, and I'm just coding. And I I tended to stay away from like the Q and A and the comments in those courses, so I never really interacted. It wasn't until I built the Instagram up and I built you know Twitter up where I really saw the impact that being social, like you said, has on my growth as a developer. Like being comfortable just failing and having a problem and being able to ask other people is so important. And I feel like too many of us that are self-taught are not, maybe not scared, but just like too shy to to come up that yeah. way because it's we're not used to that environment, you know, being self-taught. You start off by yourself and you think it's got to be by yourself. <laughs> well, that's, so there's, there's a couple of really important things that you touched on. One is the the idea of like failing or being wrong like you kind of need to be around other people to realize that everyone else fails the same way you think you do yes. right and like fail is super relative like i don't want to use that as a harsh word because it's like rarely do we actually fail we might write a bad line of code or something but it's not a failure but anyway mm -hmm. like just having having people around you that you can like see that like nobody's perfect right like imposter syndrome is something we talked about every day it's something that everyone experiences i experience it almost every day of my life as well as much confidence as i have in my skill set and the things that i do like i still look at other people i'm like shit i can't do anything that good right like we all mm -hmm. have that and i think people just need like they just need other people that they can trust to ask questions and like realize that like hey it's, it's kind of the same for everybody and everyone's uh, part of this. And it's been really cool on Twitter, just how transparent people have been to like share, especially like content creators, right? Like they kind of put content creators on a pedestal and you think everything they do is perfect and they're so smart and blah, blah, blah. But what you don't realize is like how many takes it, it takes to like record <laughs> or how many like hours you put into building a demo before you actually did it or how many times I've like, started to record a video and I'm like, I don't know what I'm talking about. Like I need to go learn more before yes. I actually record this thing. Yes. Like, there's a whole lot to it. Yes. A hundred percent. And I talk about this, you know, I think in the one with Morgan and the one with Aral, um, where like you said, content creators, influencers, whatever, we get put on this pedestal because we have this quote unquote perfect lifestyle <laughs> where we can promote product. We can do all these things and we look like we've made it and that we're just like picture perfect. Right. But there's no transparency in terms of like the things that we feel like we're not doing good at or the things that we, like you said, have to redo and re like retake essentially like on YouTube. Yeah. Like I, if I had to upload a video that was uncut <laughs> with every clip that I had for that specific video, you would vomit. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there are so many outtakes from videos that we do and I couldn't imagine for someone like Wes Boss, like for his courses, if he sent all those out unedited, like yeah, that I, I'd be interested to see that and see what the reaction would be like, because I'm sure he goes through the same thing and he does something on or on YouTube 
in a couple of videos that I've watched from him is he literally makes mistakes on the video and leaves and it, leaves yeah, it in. intentionally. Yep. And it's, it's to show that transparency. And that's kind of what something I want to shed more light on. And that I feel like all content creators should shed light on is show the mistakes that we make throughout the day or throughout whatever session you have. Like that's what live streaming is so perfect for. Exactly. And I'm sure you've experienced it is like you yeah. be coding a certain project and then run into an issue where people now get to watch you live, go through that problem solving process and show that it's not perfect all the time. Yeah. It's not perfect ever. <laughs> like, no, there's, so, yeah. there's so many, there's so many upsides like streaming has been, I, I never paid attention to streaming. I never really thought that was something I wanted to do. And we just kind of like that became a thing where I could kind of find my niche at all zero when I started back <clears> in January. So I, I got really into it and there's so many benefits that come with it. Like, yeah, you, for people that are there, like it is like an, an imposter syndrome fighter or whatever, like whatever phrase you want to come up with to see people write code and like, they have to pause and like go Google stuff, right? Like people are scared to go Google. I'm like, everything I do, I Google. There's like almost nothing that I don't have to Google, <laughs> right? To like get the correct syntax. Yeah. So like you get to see that. And then you also get to like, from a, a viewer perspective, you get a pretty like personal connection with someone that you may yes. have never had that before. Like you could, you could comment in a YouTube video and maybe that person responds back eventually, but mm -hmm. it's totally different when you're able to like ask a question or, or comment on something real time during a stream. Yes. And the person is like responding and engaging with you. Like, that's what I love to do. I love having like questions and comments and people helping me helping me out when I'm writing code and stuff like that's just, that's just fun. And it's a really like unique experience that you can't really find in many other scenarios. A hundred percent. And uh, I've been live streaming, you know, on and off. I mean, I used to live stream a lot on Twitch um, before, but that was just playing games, right? Like just doing okay, the normal. Yeah. Um, but now recently I've actually started to live stream more on Twitch for programming and I've been making my portfolio site on there and, Recently, I was learning TypeScript, so I was watching a tutorial while also um, streaming that that process and being able to like humble yourself as a streamer and as a developer to be able to make those mistakes live <laughs> in front of however many viewers you get is probably again one of the most humbling things that you could go through. But also, like you said, it builds that personal connection with everybody in your audience yeah. to where they can literally connect with you real time. You can talk with them in real time, ask questions. And then on top of that, you know, on my live stream, I went through an issue and there was a bunch of people that were in there that had experience with TypeScript already. And I was literally just asking them questions on, hey, how, how would you guys attack this problem? Or what am I doing wrong here? Um, like what's causing this error, blah, blah, blah. So it's building that social environment again to where there's collaboration with everybody in the community. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just, it's just cool from both sides to feel like you're a part of something, by the way, I just went and, um, and, uh, followed you on Twitch. So I'll try to check out, oh. um, something <laughs> next time you go live and like, I'm semi putting you on the spot, but I'd love, love to have you come on either like the all zero Twitch channel or my personal one at some point in the next uh, couple of months, whenever it works out and we can figure out yes. something cool to, to hack on and talk about. That would be so awesome. I'm I'm 100 down. You don't have to ask me again. Like I'm I'm in. Like, All right, I'm we in. Will, we'll get it. We'll get it booked. Yes, another booking. Let's get it. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the the whole live streaming thing is uh that's a cool, that's a cool platform that I feel like not a lot of people are on in terms of programming. Um, I feel like that scene needs to grow a lot more because that'd be cool to 
grow the transparency because I remember you tweeting rec- or not, maybe not you. I don't remember who it was, but someone tweeted that we don't have a programming section on yeah, uh, that, on Twitch. Yeah, that was me. Someone else had like sent. I think it's like a, a form you can or just like a button you can push to vote for wanting to have a programming section. But yeah, there's mm. not there's not that category in Twitch right now. So, but it's it's mm. interesting like thinking about how big that space like that category is in Twitch or just streaming in general. Um, it's grown a lot, right? Like with COVID, like so many different DevRel developer relations, uh, which is the role and, and team that I'm on at All Zero, like so many other DevRel teams are doing the same thing, right? Like we can't go to conferences. That's where we're used to doing a lot of our engagement. So now lots of people are looking into live streams, but I do agree that there's like a lot of people from a consumer perspective or a viewer perspective that just aren't really aware that that's like a viable option to learn and like all the benefits of that the engagement that we just talked about. Lots of people don't know that it's there. And uh, yeah, I think I think there is the opportunity to bring more and more people in. But you also see like for people who do streams, you, you're kind of having to be like a little more creative, right? Because you're you're hundred percent having to pull people away from if they if they watch streams, like other streams that are going on at the same time. Right. But that's one of the things that we are thinking a lot about at All Zero is just how to make our stuff more unique and and try to give people a real reason to want to come and listen to and watch the things that we do. So yeah, that's that's the interesting part is because when I when I was streaming me playing games, that was the hard part is you know, I had a small viewing, um, like maybe a handful of people, but uh, it was how do you make it interesting and interactive enough? And I think the main thing was making it interactive for the viewers, um, having them engage in a certain way, or is the person that you're watching right now entertaining enough? Doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be funny, but are they entertaining enough to be able to keep you for a certain amount of time? Yep. Um, yeah, that's the hard part. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was done. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah, I kind of wonder what the statistics are. Like if you, if you do YouTube videos, I don't know how many people out there, like I wonder what people would guess the average watch time is for a video. But for for my videos, um, they're somewhere between like 10 and 15, maybe 20 minutes usually. I just did like oh. a crash course thing that was like an hour and 20 minutes recently. But the average watch time on those videos are between like two and five minutes. So people like, like some people watch the whole thing, but then a lot of people are like in and then it's not exactly what they're looking for and they're out. Right. So you really have to have that like that hook to get them in and then enough to keep them there for a while. And yeah, like you like you're saying, um, the same thing is in Twitch. Right. And I wonder what the statistics are on like how many people pop in for what amount of time during a stream. That's so I I I don't know why I never thought about this, but that's so interesting because that it's an even even harder dynamic for streaming Mm -hmm. because on a YouTube video, people click it and it's whatever you're initial intro is like that first 30 seconds to a minute is it going to catch them because yep. that's what you rely on as a streamer you have to do that for as long as the Constantly. stream is live yeah. because <laughs> people are coming in at random times yep. you don't know when they come in when they click you're going to get an initial wave of people and then obviously you can keep them there or you know plan your intro on the stream and stuff like that to keep it more engaging but to keep that engagement as a streamer is pretty hard if if one you're new or just two don't have the um, personality built yet to uh, keep people entertained in a way and with programming i feel like sometimes it is kind of hard because sometimes we may just get too focused get into the flow of things and then for me for example i just i i there's a point in my stream where i got super quiet 
right? Because I was zoned in on something mm-hmm. on the tutorial. And when people come in, I'm not engaging. I'm and a quiet like, dude that's doing? just yeah. streaming. Yeah. Like, what is this guy doing? Like, <laughs> he's literally not talking. I see code. I don't know what he's doing. Well, on to the next one. So it's like, well, okay. You didn't give me a chance, but I also get why. You know what I mean? So it's what is not only the statistic, but what are like some cool, creative ways to keep a stream engaging? Yeah. Yeah, do you mind if I so this is something that like has been top of mind with me and I haven't gotten very creative, but do you mind if I like share one of the things we just did for yeah. the first time on the Osiro channel? I thought Absolutely. It was really cool. So um we want to do like some sort of giveaway for like our, our more formal stream. So we do one like the first and third Tuesday of the month. We have usually where we bring on a guest um and we like talk about something, right? Like we build something or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those, we we like wanted to give away like a link to a free T-shirt or a mug or like some swag. And I was thinking, like, how do you how do you keep people around for that? And then, like, how do you make that fun and how do you facilitate a giveaway? Like I could just like look at all the names and the participant participants list and mm-hmm. then I could choose a random one. Right. Or something. So anyway, there's like tons of these different Twitch bots, which are really interesting. Right. Like you can write code to respond to a certain message that someone sends a certain mm. command and you can do whatever you want with it. So I built something that would listen for an enter command. So like I would open up entries basically with a command as an admin and uh, people would enter that by sending the enter command. And this uh, bot would like keep track of all those names until I close it down. And then it would take all those and I needed to figure out like a way to communicate a winner. And I also wanted it to be like authentication related just for it being an auth zero stream. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so for each one of these people, I generated um, what's called a a JSON web token. And basically it's just like an encoded piece of information that um, includes in there whether or not they're the winner. So there's just like a Boolean, a true or false for if the user is a winner. And they have to go to one of the sites that we created, jwt.io, to decode the thing and then see whether or not they won. And so that was like just a really cool process of like taking the basics of a Twitch bot, tying it into something that was a little more personal, like with the tokens and authentication uh, to Auth0. And then like an engaging way, like people have to comment, right, to enter and then uh, to verify that they won, like they have to send me back the token and then the bot will actually like validate that thing too. So anyway, like that, I think there's infinite things you can do, but that was me for the first time getting kind of creative of like driving comments, at least an engagement with something to, to give away at the end. Yeah, I actually love that, that that uh, form of engagement is is amazing, like sending people out elsewhere to like fulfill something that you mm-hmm. like they initially found is like probably one of the best ways because it, it makes them feel more a part of it. Yeah, right? they're, they're seeing something exclusive that no one else can see but they're actually like having to do something to be a part of that. And um, I think that's probably like one of the most creative ways. Like, like that's actually pretty insane. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was pretty, I was pretty proud about it. Yeah. And people, there's a pretty like positive response. Several people went out of their way to say it was a really cool idea. So I'm excited to, to use that more and more. I, I mean, I, I think that's a great idea. Um, J- just because again we've talked we, we were, were just talking about it is keep engagement is super super hard especially yeah. as a content creator like like you said with watch times i obsess over watch times because that's my reference on youtube at least um to see whether or not my content is going in the right direction mm-hmm. um keeping average watch times 
higher than two minutes is so hard because attention <laughs> yeah. spans are so I'm not going to say super small, but I mean, like it, it, for my past videos, they were just me talking and there was no B-roll. There was nothing else that yeah. was like super engaging in a way. Right. So it's now my last video got four. I was like, okay, I added more cuts here. I added mm -hmm. more B-roll here. I added more like small transitions. What else can I add to up that to get to where I want it to be, where it's, you know, maybe 25% watch time now yeah um so it's it's it it's back to what you said about what's the statistic mm -hmm. because now we have data that's relevant to our content to where we can now improve off of that um so i think that's super interesting yeah and that like those like micro optimizations like tweaking and trying out different things that never ends right like i, no. I can't tell you how many youtube videos i've watched about creating youtube videos of like <laughs> how to do like keywords and tags and stuff and i like i feel like some of the stuff still like some things just click right like some videos just kind of take off and you can't really explain it like you might have tried a bunch of things or maybe it's one of the ones that you put less effort into and sometimes you just can't like explain why certain ones take off but yeah i, I do tons of experimentation and i actually like you mentioned not having like b-roll most of mine is just like regular um screencast so like it'll have my screen and then like me in the corner um i want to do more of like the vloggy type stuff but then you definitely have to get more creative with like different cuts and angles and B-roll and like sound and stuff to keep people. Cause it's hard to just like look at a person if nothing is yeah. kind of engaging them. Yes, um, exactly. That's one of the things. Yeah. Um, that I've wanted to like practice and learn a lot more about myself. Cause I've never really done that sort of content. Yeah. And neither have I, and I'm, I'm now shifting my content on YouTube more over to that vlog style. Um, cause I think that one, it, it takes me out of my comfort zone because I don't, I never felt that vlogging was my thing mm -hmm. and um but i wanted to branch out and kind of grow in that space because i think it's one of the most engaging and more more personal ways again um to show transparency to the audience um but yeah it, it came with a lot of like i'm doing it now like this last video i put out was kind of vloggy style but now i'm filming one today and it becomes like almost it, it it fills my mind up pretty much the whole day because I think about what the video is going to look like. Hmm. And then you're going to, you're having to go to other people's vlogs and kind of see how they do certain things and how they film. Um, so you're like implementing different strategies from other people to try to make it more engaging. But there is so many different cuts and maybe not necessarily B roll, but like just these outside clips that don't relate particularly to the content or the, uh, context of the video, but just to keep the viewer there um, in that transition to be like, oh, what's he going to do now? Or what's yeah. she going to do now? What's next? What's coming in the next video or in the video? Build suspense up. And then the next video, they'll be more intrigued and it'll just compound and over and over and over again. So it's a never ending process and the vlogs will never be the same. Yeah, definitely. We actually, so I'm in um, a Discord server. I forget, it's either, I think it's, either programming YouTubers or YouTube programmers. I can't remember, but it's like YouTubers that have programming channels, which uh, if you're interested, I can definitely send you an invite, but we have like weekly or not weekly, uh, monthly just kind of get togethers and we just kind of chat about stuff we're working on and ask questions to each other. And a lot of what we talked about today, this morning actually, uh, was just what you were talking about, doing those different cuts, trying to keep people engaged, trying to keep it moving, trying to keep the interest uh, just because yeah, like attention span, 
like you kind of shied away from saying it's super low. It's super low. Like that just, it just, it's a fact. No, yeah. Uh, especially like if people <laughs> pay attention, if, if people out there watch YouTube videos, pay attention to how you watch them and what you do. Cause I can't tell you how many times I go to, I click on a video, I watch 15 seconds. I'm like, no, nah, that's not it. And I just like go to the next one. Right. And like everyone else has to be doing the same thing. 100%. And like the <laughs> biggest tip, the biggest tip that I got from Chris Sean, um, who's a good friend and who's also pretty big in the YouTube space is um, if you're not willing to watch your own video all the way through, then there's something in that video that needs to be better. Yeah. Right. And it's it, like you said, getting into the mind of as a viewer is um, notice what in a video keeps you there. And it's to me, I obsess over like optimizations like this is how can I shift things or portray things in a different way to where now I'm engaged and everyone else is as well. And it's, it's a never ending cycle. So, but back to what you said, yeah, I would love to be part of that discord channel because that'd be super interesting. Um, cool. cause not to mention the developer space in terms of YouTube, when it's not tutorials, I feel like it's very small. Yeah. And that's like, I just, I think they're cool, right? Like I watch, I watch the vloggy type stuff and I just, I like, honestly, it just looks badass. I think when people do it well, it just comes together so nicely. And like, I've started to realize they're like, they're obviously there's a huge audience for developers and like tutorial <laughs> content. Like you look at the top content creators and they've got hundreds and a million subscribers on YouTube. Like the audience is definitely there. Right. But like, I kind of want to create stuff that is interesting to more people like I, f I feel like i've got this really powerful voice for like career development and like yes. personal skills and and that kind of stuff that i really want to share with people and that applies for like more than than just developers right like it's it's almost like i don't want to be like cliche about it but it's it's like almost motivational speaking stuff that i, I just feel like i have stuff that i want to talk about and share but i need to i need to make sure that like it it looks and feels good when people see it too so i'm 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 trying to do trying to add in more of that kind of stuff and, and really just add in more of my personality to the things that I do. Like I've, I've said that to myself for like a year or two. And honestly, I still feel like there's not a whole lot of personality. So I just want to get like a little weirder, a little crazier in the stuff that I do. <laughs> and, and hopefully like people appreciate it. And if they don't, then like, it's one of those things that you just constantly tweak and get better at. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, that's what I'm feeling right now doing the vlogs is I, almost feel too monotone and I'm not mm. being me because it's, you know, me being behind a camera, it feels very different. Yeah. Um, but as the videos go on, you know, you get more comfortable, more comfortable. Um, you're looking at the camera more, you're, you're starting to express yourself a lot more. So I think it's just getting started. Like the first vlogs will never be like <laughs> decent. And <laughs> like, I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being like a little stiff and a little weird, um, in the initial vlogs, but, Again, it's what you said. It's just, it's a nice twist to the whole developer scene in terms of YouTube, yeah. where it's not a tutorial. It's for me, what I want to do is I just want to document my whole journey from now up until the time where I either get a job as a developer or, you know, the, the time where I create a business in it or something like that, you know, um, just kind of document the day, the day to day, show people what it's like for me specifically and just kind of create a story with it. And I think that's going to be cool. And I think that more people should definitely be doing that. Yeah.
It's one of those like it's one of those transparency things too, right? Like mm-hmm. you look at content creators, like we said, and they're put on a pedestal and everything's perfect, but like you don't really know a whole lot about them as a person. And I like I'm the same way in music. So um, any like I could listen to music and whatever, and it's okay. But if I like go to a concert, it's not necessarily like being at the concert. It's more just like hearing the person, whoever the artist is, talk in a way that's not in a in a in a song, right? Like it's a different thing and they share a little bit about their perspectives and their backgrounds and stuff like that. Like having the slightest bit of a personal connection makes me so much more interested in their content, especially like in the music sense where like you hear a song later on and you're like, Oh, I know why he wrote that. It's based on this story that he told us about like in the concert, like those kind of um, parallels that you can draw makes me personally so much more interested. So that would tie in like if there was a mix of like vloggy and tutorial content, like, seeing how those things relate and like learning backgrounds about where people come from and that kind of stuff. Uh, just, it makes me more appreciative of the the stuff that people do. For sure. And I, I can relate. So the same thing with music, I get kind of obsessed with this stuff too, is in rap when um, there's like certain artists that I listen to where they'll make a certain song. It was like, Oh, it's about this chick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah. I know exactly who he's talking about. Like yep. that, or when there's beef between two people and then they like diss tracks come out, it's like, Oh, yeah. like what's, what's the other person about to come out with next? Like, I can't right. wait to see this battle go off back and forth. So <laughs> it creates that, like in that sense, maybe not personal, but there's like a, there's like a relation that there's you have context. to that because yeah. you understand the context behind Definitely. it. Yeah. yeah, so I think that's super interesting and creating that parallel in the dev space where you now get a quote unquote behind the scenes view of someone who's living that life. Now, there's something for you to relate to, to where maybe there's a junior out there or a self-taught dev out there who now feels more comfortable um, being more expressive or being okay with now making mistakes because they see that the person they looked up to or the people that they follow are doing the same exact things. Mm-hmm. so definitely. yeah that's i think more people should do it i think you should definitely do it i would love to watch that vlog content i hope people watch mine because it's it's hard to make i will say that it's yeah it's really really hard to make vlog content and like I'll not not strategize but you know you go i wait i will literally woke up today with the idea to do it i don't know how it's going to turn out once i put all the clips together <laughs> but it, it's pretty rough. It's pretty tough. The creativity side, again, is is hard when it comes to the dev space because the one problem I have is, or the one problem that I was always debating on with vlog content as a developer is how do I tie in the actual coding side to things um, and make that part of a vlog? Because when you watch a vlog, you know, so most of the time, like for me, I'm watching a fitness vlogger. So it's easy to tie that in. It's easy to tie in workouts to a vlog. But how do you tie in actual coding to right. it? Yeah, it's and I think I think it's more difficult because or at least from my perspective, it's more difficult than just a regular screencast because I can do like if I'm comfortable with the content, like I can do a screencast and then I can edit it pretty quickly just because it's like basic splices, right? Like I'm just taking right. out like a, a little awkward pause or like a um or something. But with when you get into the vloggy stuff, like those are the ones because there's there's not like screen code moving around on the screen. There's more like you have to force that interaction and stuff. That's where you get back into like having the B roll and the sound effects and like the graphics and stuff, because 
like people are expecting that kind of stuff. They're not just looking at code being written. They're looking for like other things going on. Right. And that, and that's kind of the problem that I'm going to try and tackle today is to come up with a way to display it in an interactive, engaging way to where, you know, if someone who's super new to it can still watch and understand. And once they hit that part of the video, that's not when they click away. And yeah. that would be super interesting, like especially in the uh, in the discord for the uh, content mm -hmm. creators and programming like that would be that would be an interesting one to run by. I don't know if you guys have talked about it already, um, but to try to get different perspectives on how how one would do that. Yeah, I don't think we haven't talked specifically about it, but I know a couple of people in there have done like some of the vloggy type ones. Um, and I need to, I need to just pay more attention to that kind of stuff. I've actually got your channel up, so I'm going to go and watch a few, um, when we get done here so I can check out what you got. Yeah. I, th I mean, it's not going to be great, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> the, that first one that I put up, that one was done in like a couple of hours. And that was just because I went on a little bit of a break because I actually like burnt out over this last weekend. Um, so I just literally did nothing and I watched a bunch of vlogs um, from different kinds of people, not coding necessarily, but, you know, fitness, um, regular lifestyle, yeah. motivational vlogs, whatever it was, right? To try to piece together this, uh, not this vision, but this certain way of doing a vlog for me, that's still my own style. Sure. Um, while also incorporating all those different things, but now there's the coding aspect, which again becomes the harder part. Harder to tie in, yeah. Yeah, that's the hard one to tie in. Like everything else, when it comes to the B-roll, the cuts, the lifestyle, like all that, that's easy. That's the that's the stuff where you kind of just document, and that's just point and shoot talk. Um, but when it comes to the coding part, you know, there's it's kind of the same aspect when it comes to live streaming. It's very raw. Um, but it's on YouTube, there's a shorter attention span. So it's how do I capture, how do I capture the moments when I'm coding a project or something like that, um, where it can be interesting and even still tie into the topic that I'm top talking about in the video. So, yeah, it's interesting. I picked up on, you mentioned like the fitness stuff a couple of times and when your last podcast or one of the ones I listened to, you mentioned basketball a lot. So I wanted to just uh, let you know I'm a big basketball guy myself. If, uh, Ooh, if we yeah. ever end up in the same city um, post-COVID, we should definitely get together to ball. Yes, we should. We should. <laughs> okay. Uh, I know. What's your favorite? Who's your uh, Who's your team, though, that you're looking forward to watching on the 30th, I think? Yeah, the Grizzlies. So um, in Memphis, um, I grew up like the Grizzlies moved here when I was like 10, maybe. So I went to, I think I went to their like very first playoff game. The first time they made nice. the playoffs in Memphis. Uh, I've been a Grizzlies fan basically all my life, right? Like since they moved here and John Morant is here this year, which I was is going to say, yeah. So we like made it. We're kind of <laughs> on the upswing post like Marcus all and Zebo and Tony Allen and Mike Conley and that whole crew. Um, yeah. So it's I, like, was, uh, it's getting I was active in again. the Memphis scene when Zebo was there. Yeah. Um, but now with Jaw there, it's a lot more exciting because I mean, Jaw is around my age, even and but younger. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Like, and he's just yeah, I mean, he brings that whole AAU vibe for me where it's yeah. super uh not streety, but I mean super fluid. And he's just 
he's one of those athletes where I'm like, okay, like this is going to be crazy. Like the, the, um, the rookie of the year battle is kind of crazy this year. With him um, and him and Zion and Zion mm-hmm. only playing however bad, like 30 games or something like something like that, lot. but he's yeah. still going crazy yeah. in the, in the games that he's played. Like he was super hyped up as the, as the incoming rookie. And now he's, I mean, he was, it was super skeptical with the injury and things like that. But now, I mean, the battle's real. Um, yep. But I, I still think John might ro- run out with it, but it's, it's interesting times right now. Um, yeah. I hope so. That'd be cool. A cool thing for like the city of Memphis, I think, to get. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, especially for Memphis, because um, I feel like they're almost ah, it's hard to say. I don't know. I, I don't want to say underrated, but they they definitely do sometimes go under the radar. Um, well, yeah, sometimes. I mean, it's just it's all about like markets, right? Like it's a yeah. it's a pretty small market. It's not New York, Boston, Chicago, L.A., like that kind of stuff. It's I totally mean, different. even New York. New York's feeding off of negativity right now in the market. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying I would want to be watching New York basketball. I'm just saying in general, it's a bigger market. Yes, yeah, 100%, 100%. I mean, like, you know, you know New York through their ups and downs, and they've been through, they're going through a real, real down right real now. Real down, yeah. Um, But, I mean, I'm on, I'm on Team Boston, so. Oh, um, cool, yeah. I've, I've been a Boston fan um, off and on for several years. Yeah, I, I've been since I visited. I visited when I was in the sixth grade, and I've been a fan since. You know, just walking into TD Garden, even when there was mm-hmm. no game, that was super exciting for me. And then when we went on that run, I think it was in like oh seven, oh eight ish. That was that was exciting times with the yep. whole Rondo Pierce uh, Garnett trio. Um, that was fun to watch. Yeah, I was and, definitely. That was fun for me too. Like I'd always mm-hmm. like Paul Pierce and then getting the the big three and then adding Rondo. It was a lot of fun. And I didn't like the Lakers. So I was like definitely oh. rooting for the Celtics. Most <laughs> yeah. time, but. Anytime we saw each other in the playoffs, I was like, oh, this one's going to get nasty. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now with like with this such a young lineup with um, Jalen Brown and um, Jason Tatum, that the, I mean, this lineup is crazy. Like, yeah. it's so exciting. I just miss Isaiah Thomas so much um, when he was a Celtic, and I wish they would bring him back. But in this lineup, it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, I don't think. Just, he just kind of, like, it just didn't work out well for him after that, which is really sad because he had such a huge year his last year in Boston. And they I know. loved him. And then I he know. went to Cleveland and was injured and then got traded. And, like, I don't even know where he is right now. I, I don't even think he's on a team. Um, I follow him on Instagram and I think he's, he's fighting to get back into the league right now. I think yeah. the last, uh, yeah, but I mean, I, it was just so confusing to me in that time, but again, business is business, right? When it comes to the NBA, um, but getting rid of Isaiah after a run, after a playoff run like that, especially with his sister that year, mm, that was, yeah. that was tough for me to see because I, I'm such a huge fan. Cause he's short. I'm short kind of, <laughs> I, I mean, him and Nate Robinson, I, I always just had a like a tight um, yeah. relation to just because of the height thing when I was going up in high school and like being literally the short kid. Oh, by the way, I don't. So in our league that we played in high school, we actually had Aaron Gordon when he was still at Midi. Oh, so wow. I bet that was. Wild. Yeah, that was crazy. And in summer camp of eighth grade, he was actually my shooting coach when I was going <laughs> going in as a freshman to high school not many people know that wow but he was actually my shooting coach when he was a i want to say sophomore junior at midi okay 
um, but he absolutely dumped on all of us whenever bet, we played yeah. like i'm sure he still has mixtapes on youtube where you can see that uh if you google uh aaron gordon versus valley christian or something like that i'm sure you'll see either me or you know all of my friends get murdered so i'm actually really games. curious to look at aaron gordon versus i don't know if it would it would show um specifically our games but you if you look up like aaron gordon midi um uh, mixtape or something like that if you watch it and you see valley christian we're we're navy blue and white that was my school and okay. we got dumpstered <laughs> every single time and like it would be it's so demoralizing because all those games were so packed but it wasn't for us it was for him just to see him yeah but because i mean he was that he was that kid but he going up in high school i never thought he would actually be in the nba i didn't think he was that great until i saw him in college and i was like oh there like he balled out in in arizona (laughs) i was like okay he's real deal yep yeah it's hard being that athletic it it helps yeah, and he played the four and the five in high school. So, I mean, like seeing him as a guard now, I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but um, I guess his height now kind of makes sense as a as a three kind of like stretch four-ish mm-hmm. um, kind of deal. But yeah, that's that was fun times in high school getting murdered by him. Um, <laughs> watching my friends just, I mean, anytime he dunked, it was just kind of like get out the way or else you're going to be on you're going to be on the mix. On a YouTube video. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like, lo- that was locker room talk. Was like, all right, who's going to end up on the mix tonight? Yeah. <laughs> like Aaron Gordon's in, you know, the cameras are going to be out. <laughs> who's next? Um, well, uh, yeah, I've got up. I've got up a search here, so we'll see what I can find. Oh, you're going to see a lot. And I'm sure, I think there's one mixtape where it's 50% our school because that's like, those were the games where he just kind of went off because it was just too easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at the time we only had one or two bigs that could not really guard him. Um, <laughs> hopefully they're not really listening to this podcast, but, yeah. um, yeah, that was interesting times. I don't know if you'll ever, if you'll see me on the bench or in the background of those videos, I doubt it, but, uh, I was there and I was trying not to react. So my coaches wouldn't get <laughs> mad, <laughs> which is, um, I mean, it'd be hard, right? Like it's, it's still impressive, even if it's against the wrong team. <laughs> Yeah, there's I there might be a clip like if you if you pay attention to the bench somewhere, um, one of my friends he got crossed by by Aaron, and it was really bad. Like it was bad, and I watched it and I had to turn my face away so the cameras didn't see. Didn't see you laughing or reacting. Yeah, I was just like, oh, oh my god. <laughs> I was like, oh, please don't do that. Like that's my friend. <laughs> Why'd you have to do that? And I knew that I knew it was gonna be on there. And sure enough, I think that clip ended up being there um on one of his mixes, but okay. Yeah, uh, definitely, was, definitely have to see what I can find there. Yeah, that I have to see if if I'm on it. Like now I'm sure a couple of people are gonna go look for that. Oh, that's gonna be so bad. But yeah, those are interesting times. Yeah, which by the way, I was just thinking, like for the vloggy type stuff, like it'd be super cool as like a just kind of a B-roll um, segment to have like shooting basketball or something um, and just oh, kind of throw yeah. that in there, especially like like for me and for you too, it'd be like a personal thing, right? That you get to share with people potentially and yeah. but not have it be like the focus of the video, right? Like you just kind of sprinkle it in. Exactly. Yeah. That's kind of the thing that um, before I started it was 
what parts of my life am I okay with putting in that make it relatable Mm -hmm. to other people? Because that's kind of the main thing, right? And I think that was the one aspect of vlogs that I took away when I was on my little break was there's so many similar interests from these vlogs that keep me there um, that these people have like personally, which makes me more um, susceptible to coming back to watch more. Yeah. Yeah. Just any, any of those any of those connections that you have. And that mean it goes for vlogs and for regular content and tweets and like anything that you can relate to, you naturally gravitate Mm -hmm. towards. And that's what like, that's the goal, right? Is to find, find as many ways to do something that people relate to it and keep them coming back. Yeah. And I mean, it's the same thing here, right? And I'm sure there's going to be other basketball fans now that listen to the end of this and uh, are, (laughs) we're going to get into arguments about favorite teams and different years and how many championships, each team has and all that stuff which is going to be fun um but yeah it's all the relatable stuff in terms of content that i have found to be kind of necessary to implement um which i mean the main one being development right that's kind of the big one that we're all relating to but it's the more personal stuff that becomes more relatable so it's you know basketball for me i was going to implement a lot more crossfit because that's literally what i do almost every day yeah um, and I'm, and I've surprisingly, not surprisingly, I'm, I'm actually like very happy that there's a bunch of other CrossFitters out there who, who are also in the development space and have reached out, um, and share that similar interest, um, with me. So that's, that's cool to watch for sure. So I think I'm definitely going to be adding a lot more of that into the vlogs. Um, a hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great idea. Have you seen, uh, dev lifts? They, yeah i've heard about them from um they were sponsors of uh, the syntax podcast with west boss and scott talinsky and one of them jc hyatt is um one of the founders or the main founder i'm not sure of magnolia js which is like the first biggest tech conference to come to mississippi um so anyway they they like built this platform devlist where you get like some one-on-one conversations interactions with trainers and they like help tailor um, a workout plan for you and they have like a disc or a slack i think that you can join and like chat with other people and stuff so yeah they like developers that like built their product around lifting i don't think it's crossfit specifically but just working Mm -hmm. out in general oh interesting i may have heard them i may have heard wes sit like talk about this on a podcast and i never really looked into it but now that i'm looking at it the same's kind of cool. Like and it that's one thing that I actually try to promote more of is health in the development space. Yeah. Um because I feel like it's super easy for us to kind of neglect it. Um <laughs> it is, yeah. And it's it's one of those things that we don't talk about, right? Like health and working out is not something you associate with programmers. So you have to be like pretty intentional to share with people to let them understand that like working 10, 12 hours a day and not taking care of yourself mentally and physically is not the way to go. And that like, we just have to be open about sharing the things that we do and how we take breaks and, and letting people know when we struggle, just like everybody else struggles. I just got such a good idea for the vlog out of that. I'm writing Uh that down right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, like, and I've tried to do it multiple times on Instagram. Um, I'm trying to think of different ways to approach that, but now I think I have a different angle to hit. Their videos and Instagram now, but um, 
yeah, I, I think health is like one of those under talked about topics that, yeah. you know, we don't as developers really um, acknowledge just because, again, it's super easy for us to um, get into a flow of things. And, you know, it's not eating the right things because you're looking for convenient things to eat. So you're mm-hmm. just ordering pizza or something or you're not drinking enough water because, oh, I forgot I was just working <laughs> and coding all the time. Yeah. Um, and I'm not getting enough sleep because, oh, this person's working all the time. I have to uh, be an early riser and a night owl at the same time and sleep less because I need to make the most hours out of my day. But it's like, no, like y- your it's most just... productive work comes when you're healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And if I like I I get plenty of sleep, like I'm pretty intentional about getting close to at the very least my eight hours of sleep a night. And I think Oof. I think you can. I would recommend like kind of choosing what time frame works best for people like early riser or night owl. Um, like one of those probably fits more naturally into your category. And it's not something that you can just like change overnight, right? Like you have to right. kind of like gravitate towards like, all right, I'm going to go to sleep a little earlier so I can get up a little earlier and do that for like a month. And then at the end of that, maybe you're getting up at five thirty or whatever to do whatever it is you do. Like right, right. now I'm getting up at six usually and mm-hmm. I will, my wife leaves for work around 630. And so then I'm just kind of like hanging out and I usually work on content for an hour, an hour and a half. So that's like my dedicated time before I start my day job of being able to like work on the content outside of it. Right. And, and it's like you said, it's, you know, people who are looking to get a more healthier lifestyle and things like that have to really experiment and like see what works for them because what, what, time frame you go to bed and wake up mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily work for me or other people right exactly. um, everyone has their own different circumstances like for me i mean i'm only 23 so i'm <laughs> i'm like I- i'm in a weird space and i know i'm saying like preach health and all that stuff but i <laughs> generally like sleep really late and wake up super early so wow, i'm like okay. trying to fix that like i'm going yeah. to bed at like maybe 12 or 1 and i'm waking up at 5:30 Oh gosh, um, see, I can't even, I don't think I would function. I would just be, I'd be No, shot. but see, so that's the thing is I, I purposely got this little fitness tracker, like the Whoop. I don't know if you've heard of it. No, I um, Not sponsored by them, by the way, yeah. but it should be. Um, it it actually tracks, so it's, its main purpose is tracking recovery um, through sleep and through whatever sleep you got and how good your sleep was, it kind of tells you how much strain throughout the day you can take before you're just like overdoing it. So that's its, its essential like um, purpose. So for me, I know that I don't, as of right now in this in this juncture of my life, I don't need that much sleep um, to, to really be optimal. I can, I can go off of five and be just fine. Like I'm not hitting crashes or walls during the day. Yeah. If I get eight, I'm done. <laughs> if really? I get eight hours of sleep, I want to sleep the rest of the day. Yeah. Isn't that weird how like you, like obviously you'd expect the exact opposite, but I mean, I think that's an example of like, you just have to kind of know your body. And as long as you're, as long as you're paying attention, right. And being intentional about the things that you do, it could look drastically different than uh, what everybody else or what anybody else is doing. A hundred percent. And being a uh, failed uh, nutritional science major, I found that nutrition is very subjective. Like mm-hmm. it varies on the person because of your genetic makeup and yeah. your um, what your gut allows and what allergies you have. And there's so many different things. 
that like play into that. So to me, it's when you watch for me, like fitness vloggers or try to look up tips on nutrition, you can't necessarily follow that. You have to play around with it um, because it's not a one size fits all and it never will be. Some people can't have gluten. Some people can't have dairy. You can't follow this program because this person has only gluten and dairy. Um, so it's playing around with your body, being self-aware and like understanding your limits. And again, what work, what works best for you? So getting five hours of sleep is not going to fit a lot of people. <laughs> it um, definitely, so, definitely doesn't fit me at this point. <laughs> right. Like, and th that's the thing with my watch is it tells me. So based off of the strain that I get from CrossFit and coaching and things like that throughout the day. It tells me that I need 10 hours of sleep, but I had a 90% recovery rate with five. So I'm confused. <laughs> like, do hmm. I need five more for the 10%? I don't think so. Um, but th again, it's my body versus everyone else's. So. Right. Yeah. And I think like maybe it's just kind of a general sum up of like content creation and learning. Like everybody does all those things differently, right? Like 100%. Like I, I love, I prefer video for the most part, but actually I find in, in certain occasions, if I'm following, following like a step-by-step -step tutorial, sometimes I prefer the written article. Cause if I, like if there's a code snippet or something, I don't want to type, like I can just copy and paste it. Right. So right. like I, I learn through different avenues depending on the scenario and what I'm trying to learn, but people just learn differently in general. And then the content that we create, like we each we each have a unique take on whatever it is like we you and i could both do the same a video on the same tutorial but there's going to be like little nuggets of things that we talk about or just how we talk about the same concepts that are unique enough and that's why like you see like people recommend like if you're interested in doing content but you're scared because there's a lot of content out there like you can you can be strategic about the things that you choose but there's an audience big enough out there for tons of content and there's we're nowhere near like overwhelming ourselves with too much content in a given area a hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. Like there's different tastes and different styles um, that you know, like some people like, some people don't like, but again, it's, it's finding your own style. Um, and to go back to the resources and like different ways that people learn. I say that all the time is when I get DMS on Instagram of, Hey, Justin, uh, what's the best resource for yeah. me right now? I'm like, look, I don't know how, like, how you, you answer learn the best. <laughs> Like, yeah. but that's the thing is like, I can't tell you to go read a book if you can't read or if you don't <laughs> like reading, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know that. So you kind of have to tell me or not tell me, don't tell me. I, I am, I'm not going to help you that much, right? But <laughs> <laughs> well, based but, on these things, I would recommend. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we make a, we make a bot for that. We yeah. just like do a little questionnaire and it tells you, but um, it's like being, again, self-aware enough to know that, okay, what methods do you learn best in? you like video and small articles. Okay. Then do that. Like I will, then people will then recommend you these things. I can't tell you to go read a book because that's not the best way you learn. If you're more video and hands-on and you need to build things, then go do that. Like mm -hmm. that's your best resource right there. You know that about yourself. So then that's what you're going to go actively look for instead of asking other people what the best resources are. Like know what methods learn best and then go to those platforms to get them. Like it's literally that easy. Like if you know that you know uh, learn better from videos, then go on YouTube or Google uh, JavaScript tutorial video. Literally, yeah. just put video at the very end of it. Or if you learn better from articles, put article at the end, of it and <laughs> yeah. you'll find it. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Um, 
Yeah. And people like you may not know actually the answer to that question. Like what's the best way you learn? It may just like when you watch a video and you read an article, like how did you feel when you read it and which right. one seemed to click with you more? And I, that's one of the exciting things about the industry, I think, is like no matter how long you've been doing it, you're constantly learning. So like mm -hmm. everyone's kind of wrapped up into that. And when right. people ask me like what I would recommend or like what's the best so-and-so, like I give I give my perspective, but it's always like this is what worked for me. So I like I'm happy to share. But then, like you said, you have to think about like what works best for you and then kind of translate. And maybe I have some resources in other formats that I can share. But it is it's a pretty personal thing overall to like figure out what the best way is that that you learn and you grow and get motivated. Yep. And it, again, it all ties back into nutrition, right? Like one thing doesn't work for the other. You just kind of have to figure it out um, yourself. And that's to me, the fun part is figuring out what what resources or what methods work optimally for you personally. Um, and then, you know, building a system off of that. Mm hmm to then grow as a person, as a developer, as whatever. Um, I think that's the best part of the whole process, but yeah, for sure. You'll never, you're, you're never, you're never going to be done learning. So, um, I'm almost at a point where it's like, do I keep recommending resources just because I always feel like there's that one person who's like, Oh, well, this didn't work for me. I don't know, but it's like, <laughs> look, dude, I don't know what to do for you. I'm sorry. Like I'm trying. Yeah. yeah there's all, um, I mean, if people people are asking an opinion, right? So I like if if somebody were to tell me, oh, it didn't work. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, like you asked me for help, and I gave you what I well, all, the only thing I can recommend, right? Like, you, right, you did your part. So I like I if you get that kind of feedback, I'd be like, okay, well, thanks for letting me know that it didn't work <laughs> for you. Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so then maybe don't use that. Uh, <laughs> but then also like the it then comes to the conclusion of like, if I recommended a video again, it's like, okay, then maybe you don't like videos. Like, right. Yeah. Maybe you go find little... the text version of that or the transcribed version of that video. If you can find it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like there, there's just so much, uh, subjectivity when it comes to that kind of stuff. But, uh, it's the nice thing is there's never ending resources out there for everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, like there's literally so much right now. Like it's, it's actually overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it definitely can be like, I've got a backlog of courses that I want to take and I, oh God. I will always have a backlog of courses to go. Through. I need to start a competition or like some sort of contest to see who's got the most who's like backlog most, courses yeah. <laughs> because I have a lot. Like just literally. Like... Oh, go ahead. Uh, I, I was just going to say like, literally it's just disgusting. Like yeah. how many I have, but go ahead. It's it's just like the Netflix queue, right? Like I feel I feel like it's more it's more fun to put stuff in the queue in Netflix than it is to actually watch them. Like I've spent yeah. thirty minutes or an hour just like adding stuff, and I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, I remember watching a friend, and she was just like going through this whole list of Netflix shows, and I'm like, what are you doing? Like <laughs> you're just favoriting everything on Netflix at this point. Like what's the point? <laughs> um, but yeah, I I don't know, I don't know what it is about that, but I definitely have had to stop for a second because i was like okay this list is too much like every time i look yeah. at it i get depressed i'm like i've got work to do yeah there's only there's only so much time like so many hours in the day and I, that's a hard thing for people to accept too is like you want to do it all and sometimes you just can't and I, I think that's one of the benefits that i've had like personally for a long time it's like in college if i didn't quite finish a homework assignment like i wasn't gonna super stress myself out and stay up all night i was like eh, well 
like I'll either finish it in the morning or I won't and I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> and I think yeah. a lot of people have a really hard time doing that with just random things, right? Like they feel like they have to do it all and they feel oh. overwhelmed because they can't. But it's just like, like, like do what you can, right? And if you feel like you should do more, like think strategically about like, okay, what could I cut out of my day if I really need to find more time to do X or how could I be more prepared or spend my time more wisely when I actually do spend it learning or whatever it is that you're going through. hundred percent. I I could sympathize with that so well because I went through that problem myself was I always felt like things had to be done at a certain speed. And if it didn't, well then mm -hmm. whatever was next in the queue has to wait because I can't I can't do that until this is done. And then I would sacrifice way too much and stress myself out unnecessarily when it literally just could have waited. And I probably could have done that a lot better had I waited. Um, so it's it's like weighing out like what's more important in the priorities. Um, and like just being, I guess, like as a self-taught developer, especially, it's also like understanding that nothing's a rush like there's no rush yeah. to any of this like there will always be opportunities um there's always time that you have in the day tomorrow like next week like whatever like there's time like you don't have to do this now um so don't rush projects that you're making don't rush your learning process just because you see stories of people who made it in six months it's like yeah. don't Especially, you can't base yeah go ahead um, especially the learning process is you don't want to sell yourself short. And I think that's kind of like looking back at, at my four years of college, like I did all the stuff and I got good grades, but I didn't learn the things I didn't internalize the things that I really should have. So like everybody's position is different. Like some people like really are like, they have to have that next job. And like, that's understandably or understandable. Like if that's the situation that you're in, but I would really, I would really encourage people if you have time to slow down, but just really try to internalize and practice the things that you learn and get exposed to. And there's lots of like, people talk about this all the time, the difference between like watching a tutorial versus like building something yourself. And I am a person who've watched tons of tutorials, but mm -hmm. I also do that like intentionally. So a lot of the ones that I just watch, I literally just watch and don't follow along. And it's because I, I just like at a high level, want to open my mind to like things that are possible, but then you have to go back and like execute by building something because right when you're following someone else, like you, it's easy to just not think and just like copy. Right. But once you actually have to come up with the idea and like figure out what to do next, that's when you really start to challenge yourself and you realize pretty quickly whether or not you actually understood what you thought you did or not. Exactly. And I think that's the problem with some people who go through tutorials is they'll copy, 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 and then not feel like they got anything out of the course. So then they give up or it's like, um, they're afraid to, once they're done with the tutorial, go build something on their own because it's it's too uncomfortable for them. Um, and that's kind of the, the other topic that I talk about a lot is being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. Like you have to be comfortable with knowing that you're jumping into uh, a new language if once you're done with a tutorial and have to build something with that. Like, of course, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's so new to you. Like mm -hmm. this the same thing with everything. Like if you're learning how to play basketball, it's going to be uncomfortable for the first couple of months. Like you're, there's no way around it. You kind of have to get your hands wet and hands dirty in order to do it. So you have to do it. Um, but people just don't, some people just don't want to do that because, oh, I can't, I can't think of an idea or 
well, then how do I do this? Because this guy on the tutorial literally did it and didn't look up anything. Like he just did it. Uh, I can't do that. And then they relate, relate it to the course experience and then it just goes downhill from there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's all, it's all a process and it's, it's a fun one to embrace and it's an ongoing thing. Like we said, you never, never start learning, stop learning, especially in like web development, like things change all the time. And that's, that's kind of the, annoying thing but also the exciting thing so you kind of convert yourself into a a lifelong learner and practicer i guess exactly and i think that's like one of the the cool aspects of this space is that i feel like a lot of career choices get boring because it's the same thing over and over Mm -hmm. and over again here literally tech changes every day (laughs) like it, it, we move at such a quick pace uh, in comparison to other industries. It's hard for this job to ever get boring because um, there's always, again, something new to learn and there's always something new to apply to yourself and apply to projects and things like that. So it'll, it's never ending, which mm-hmm. is fun. Definitely. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but we just did an hour 20 and honestly <laughs> didn't feel like that. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. Uh, we definitely need to do something like this again. I think James, like we still have a lot to talk about. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. And I, um, we, we've got things to connect with after this. Um, but yeah, people that are out there listening, uh, hopefully you'll see maybe us doing some video or stream content together in the next couple of months. So look, look for that. Yes, absolutely. That would be a lot of fun. And I, yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to be doing it. Like there's no questions asked, like, I, I have a lot of time on my hands, so we are for sure <laughs> going to do that. Yeah. Um, but James, any closing like tips or motivation for you know any developer out there listening right now, especially the junior and self-taughts out there? Uh, yeah, I think we, we kind of touched on a lot of the different parts, but all of this is a process. I think the more you can have a community of people around you, even if it's just a couple that you trust that you can talk to and ask questions, you're going to be better off if you can kind of... Um, just dive into the developer community at large, either on Twitter or meetup or a virtual meetup or getting into a live stream. You'll feel more connected. It's it's not just you, it's everyone, right? That's learning and, and struggling at times. And so, yeah, I, like just embrace the process and uh, just kind of dive head first, I guess. Yeah, I love that. All right. Well, James, thank you again for coming on the podcast. This was a lot of fun. And, you know, like we said, we've got a lot of what other work to do uh, <laughs> yeah. together. So I'm excited. Yeah. Um, for what the future is going to bring for sure. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks again for having me. Of course. And uh, thank you guys for listening to the podcast. This is episode number 11, uh, another segment of the this.dev segment that I've got going on on the podcast. If you guys want to check out James, I will have all of his social media and his website linked down below. If you guys are looking for a tutorial to check out, I would definitely recommend looking his stuff up because um, I personally like his teaching method as well. And it's benefited me a lot. So definitely check it out. Thank you guys again for listening and I will see you guys on the next episode.